0: Welcome to the Connect Church podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc. Now, let's jump into this week's message. It's good to see all of you and have you here with us this morning. As I mentioned earlier, please remember Pastor Blaine and his family as they are traveling. Be home tonight. The Lord will bless them, watch over them, and give them safety of travel. As they come back home, he misses being here and he wanted to tell you that he loved you and uh, that he looks forward to seeing you soon once they get back from Kentucky is where they're at for a wedding that they were attending. So this morning, I appreciate the opportunity that Pastor Blaine gives me and Pastor Blake. When uh, he is out and he needs uh, someone to speak, and I appreciate the opportunity he gives both of us to be able to fill in for him. Uh, That's big shoes to fill, um, but we're going to do our best. Um, We appreciate and love our pastor. And we've been in the series for the summer What Does the Bible Say About? What Does the Bible Say About? And this morning we're going to be answering that question What are the qualifications? of a spiritual leader? That's the question. What are the qualifications of a spiritual leader? So I know you just sat down, but I'm going to ask you to take your Bible and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to read the first seven verses, but I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we read, okay? I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we read. 1 Timothy chapter 3, Begin in verse 1. "'This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires noble work. An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy.' He must manage his own household Sorry. He must manage his own household and have his children under control with all dignity. If anyone does not know how to manage his own household, he will take care. how will he take care of God's church? He must not be a new convert, or he might become conceited and incur the same condemnation as the devil. Verse seven. Furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders so that he does not fall into disgrace and the devil's trap. Let's pray. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you for your word. and Lord, I thank you for each and every one that's made it their way this morning. I pray, Lord, that you now just continue to fill your pra- this place with your presence. And Lord, I ask that you would speak through me. And Lord, I ask that your words would be spoken here this morning that they would be your words and not Joel's words. So this morning, we ask for your continued presence, and I ask that you would just, Lord, speak through me this morning and give us what you'd have for us this morning from your Scripture. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, again, we're answering the question, what are the qualifications of a spiritual leader? The qualifications for church leaders are qualities for every believer to pursue. Let me read that again. The qualification for church leaders are qualities for every believer to pursue. Now, in a few minutes, you're going to hear me say, we're going to be talking about several points, and it's going to say, amen, amen. But I want you to understand this morning, we're talking about every church leader, everyone who's a part of the church body, every believer. So the qualification for church leaders are qualities for every believer to pursue. This includes demonstrating good character. Providing spiritual leadership at home and having a good reputation with people outside the church. The Lord looks at different things when it comes to leadership. The Lord looks at different things when it comes to leadership. On more than one occasion, God has to remind His people, I look on the inside of a person, not the outside. Amen? I look on the inside, not the outside. Now listen, all of us are guilty of this at some point or another. We tend to see someone out on the streets, out in the community, in our jobs, and we tend to make a first reaction, a judgment reaction about maybe who that person is, what they who they think they are, or are just their own personalities, and we tend to judge them right off the bat by what they look like. What we have to remember is that God's Word says... He judges, he looks at a person, not just, he looks at a person on the inside, not the outside. He looks at their heart. And what we have to remember as Christians, that we do the same thing, that we look at others from the inside. We look at the inside. We look at their heart. We do not judge the outside. We don't look at the outside. We look at the inside, the heart, the heart. We don't know what people go through. We don't know what they're struggling with today. We don't know what's going on in marriages. We don't know what's going on in their life as a whole. God does. God does. He says, I'm looking for different things. I'm looking for the appearance of leadership. Somebody who has the character and maturity of a leader for the place I will use them. So what is it that God is looking for? Qualifications in leadership. In Paul's first letter to Timothy, it is not surprising that in this letter, specific instructions are given concerning the kind of men who may hold positions of responsibility in the local church. Paul was writing about church leadership. leadership. And I want you to look at verse verse 15 with me in chapter 3. And this is what it says, but if I should be delayed, I have written so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar of foundation of the truth. And 1 Timothy 3.15 makes it clear, and it is important that we secure the right leadership for God's work. If the leaders are right, the work will be blessed. Amen? Oh, I hope you're awake. You're not falling asleep on me this quick, are you? If the leaders are right, the work will be blessed. But if the leaders are wrong, the work will be hindered. God's work is weak or strong according to the quality of those who are in positions of responsibility. So what are the qualifications for leadership? What is God's standard in this matter? In 1 Timothy 3, 1-7, we are given the qualifications of an overseer. The definition of an overseer is a person who supervises others, especially workers. So this morning, I'm going to speak to you on the question in two different ways. First, we read in 1 Timothy 3, 1-7, the qualifications of a spiritual leader are overseer. Number one... A man who is above reproach. Verse 2 says, an overseer must be above reproach. This does not mean perfect. This does not mean perfect. Are you perfect? Woo! Wow, that's great. There might have been a few in there, went, yeah, I am. No, none of us are perfect. No one. I'm not perfect. Your pastor's not perfect. Wait a minute. Pastor's not here. Don't talk about him. I'm not talking about him. I'm just saying. We're not perfect. Now, we should strive daily to be Christ-like. Amen? Strive daily to be Christ-like. But we're not perfect. I have said this before. I've probably said it in a pulpit before. But I say this and I've said this a lot, all through ministry, okay? I am not perfect. Never set your pastor, me as a pastor, anyone on a pedestal. Definitely don't set Blake on a pedestal. I'm sorry I didn't say that. Don't set us on a pedestal, because I want to tell you what's going to happen. The first thing that will happen is we will be the first to knock the pedestal out from underneath our feet, not you, because we're not perfect. We do make mistakes, just like anybody else. We're not perfect. But we're looking at God's Word today and what God's Word has to say about spiritual leaders' qualifications. Verse 2 says, an overseer must be above reproach. That means temperate. Temperate means showing moderation, self-restraint, keeping your head in all situations, sensible judgment in all things. Verse 7 explains that he must have a good reputation with outsiders. How important is it for a minister, a deacon, or here, listen, right here, or any church leader, I'm going to add the word, member, church leader, member, to have a clear testimony before the church and the world. We are to have a clear testimony. People should know us by our testimony. Loving God. Reaching people for the lost, they should know us by our testimony. To have a re- good reputation among unsaved people with whom he does business and works, wa- works with. Have you ever heard this? Have you ever heard this said? And that guy calls himself a Christian. Have you? I have. I've had. I've heard people in the community. I've heard my own friends say. And that guy called himself a Christian. I don't see it. I don't get it. God's Word is saying that we need for people to see our lives and that who we are is in Christ and who we believe in. Number two a man of unquestioned moral integrity. Verse 2 says, an overseer must be above reproach. Then it goes on in that verse to say, the husband of but one wife. It means that he must be a man of unquestioned morality, especially in regard to his relations with the opposite sex. There must be, listen to this word, no, there must be no immoral relationships of any kind. No one whose marriage relationship is questionable Or whose attitude towards the opposite sex is careless should be given a position of responsibility in the part of God's work. Number three, a man of Christian grace and spiritual discipline, not violent, not quarrelsome or contentious, a person who is very easily upset or who easily loses his temper. Hmm, That's pretty tough for all of us. Because again, we're not perfect. We're human. When I was young, younger, 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 okay, I had a bad temper. My wife can attest to this. I did, especially when I was in high school, junior high, high school. I did. I had a bad temper. I'm not proud of it. Don't don't misunderstand this now, okay? I'm not proud of it, but I did. I had circumstances that kind of led me that way and and caused me to be or I say for me to be where I was at and I had a bad temper and and God had a way to help me through that and he has helped me through that and I'm thankful for that I went through things that every one of us have gone through at some point in time When I got to, and God had a plan in my life, and I know I have no doubt in that now when I look back what God had a plan in, the plan that He took care of me from the time I was left with my grandparents, and my mom never came, well, my mom didn't show back up for two years, and then uh, how my grandparents took care of me, and from that point how I was in a church, and how I met my wife-to-be there at that church, and how that uh, God uh, just impressed upon my heart to go to Bible college and even though I was running from ministry and I knew I was I ended up at Bible college and there I knew that I had to make some changes and God was doing that and one of those was the temper There was many occasions when Connie and I were dating that she actually there's one time she got out of the car with me and we were sitting ready to pull out of a parking lot you could laugh a little bit that's okay okay but then there's another time when it wasn't too long ago, back when we lived in Tennessee. You know, um, how many husbands and wives, you don't have to raise your hands because I don't want to embarrass you, but surely some of you husbands and wives still have tiffs here and there, right? Yeah? Some of you go, We never do that. No, not us. We have a perfect marriage and we never have a tiff, and she always listens to what I say. That's the reason. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, yeah. Uh, uh, all you wives look at your husbands who just laughed, okay? But seriously, we got into a little tiff, we got, I got a little upset, and um, I, I didn't lose my temper in the house. My kids were still young, fairly young, and um, so I decided I' was just going to go outside and cool off. So I went outside, and I cooled off. I took every piece of lawn furniture that we had on the porch and threw it out in the front yard. I did. And this was my wife and kids. I threw it out in the front yard. I, I had to do something. Yes, I'm not perfect. I told you I'd kick it out from underneath me. But we all aren't. But who makes us or what we should do is strive to be Christ-like in every day. God did help me and has always helped me with that particular area in my life. And number three says, a man of Christian grace and spiritual discipline. Not violent. A person who's easily upset or easily loses his temper. Not a drunkard. Gentle, kind, peaceful. And that's what I've asked God to help me all through my ministry is to be gentle, kind, peaceful. Am I perfect in all those areas all the time? No. But I strive to be, which is what we all should strive to do. Number four, a man who is generous, hearted, and hospitable. A leader should not only have an open house, but an open heart. He should be large-hearted, genuine, generous-hearted. Number five, a man who is able to teach. That is, an overseer or a pastor must have a gift in preaching and teaching and be able to feed the flock. Listen, I did not know back when I went to Bible college that I would be even here today standing in front of you. I was, I, and I'm still not a great speaker. You know that. I, I know that. I only can do this by the grace of God. Honestly, it's only by the grace of God. I trusted him. I know the call of my heart. I know what God has called me to do. And all I do, every time I get into this area, the pulpit, when I come up to speak, whether it's in front of kids, whether whoever it is, I'm still nervous. I was nervous today. I was nervous this morning. And you've heard me say, if I ever am not nervous, this is not where I need to be. Because I am speaking God's truths. And I want you to hear and know God's truths. And so, I have to be ready, but I also know that my life has to be ready also. So, a man who is able to teach, to feed his flock. Number six, a man with a right attitude to money, not a lover of money. A man's character can often be the judge of his attitude towards money and earthly possessions. We've all seen it. We may even have friends that possessions mean more to them than anything else. Or maybe even money means everything to them than anything else. But what we all have to remember and not forget and realize that everything we strive for on this earth, we cannot take with us. Amen? We can't take it with us. It's not going. It's only us the thing we need to strive for daily daily is what i love about our church is reaching the lost is reaching people for christ to be christ like daily number 7 a man who manages his own family well look at verse 4 and 5 again verse 4 and 5 he must manage his own household and have his children under control with all dignity If anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? He must be one who keeps his family in good order. That rules well his own house. The Word says, if a man is unable to manage his own domestic affairs, how can he be expected to manage the affairs of the church? Number eight. A man who is spiritually taught and mature. This in, and mature. This indicates that a leader must have a firm hold on the truths of the faith. That means we should be in this book. You can't just pick it up on Sundays and come to church. You need to be in it every day, studying, learning, understanding God's truths. It's more than just picking it up every Sunday to come to church. It's picking it up every day, whether it's at work when we take it and take a break and do our daily devotions, or when we pick it up in the morning before we go to work, or we pick it up at home before we go to rest to lay down. It's important, and God teaches us that His Word is important. Number eight, a man who is spiritually taught and mature. I already said that, didn't I? Truths and faith. Number nine, a man of obvious humility. I want you to underline this in, in your Bible, verse 6. Verse 6. This is what it says. He must not be a new convert, or he might become conceited and incur the same condemnation as the devil, or he may be conceited. That's what I want you to underline. As a separate qualification, because of its importance, the leader must not become proud. Must not become proud. Sometimes that's difficult. But we cannot become proud. Number 10. A man who has the right kind of wife. Look at verse 11. Verse 11. Wives. Two must be worthy of respect, not slanders, self-controlled, faithful in everything. Faithful in everything. A man's wife can make him ineligible as an overseer, pastor, deacon. What kind of wife must a leader have? She must be worthy of respect, not a malicious talker, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. These are the qualifications leadership. And this is not our standard, nor that of Paul, but it is God's standard. The ultimate goal of spiritual leadership is that other people might come to glorify God. That is, that they might feel, think, and act as to magnify the true character of God. You don't have to turn here, but in Matthew five fourteen, this is what it says. You are a light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. God calls us as Christians to be the light so that we might lead others. He's calling us. He's calling you to be the light. Now, some of you are thinking, wow, that was 10 points. He's done. All right. Yay. No, sorry. I got five more. Actually, six with the ending. Hang with me. God calls us as Christians to be light so that we might lead others. So, in order to lead others, we must have someone to lead. Number one, we must have someone to lead. Simply put, you are not really a leader if no one is following. We cannot be unapproachable. We cannot separate ourselves from others. We must look for opportunities to invest in people's lives and reach out to others. That's what I love about Connect Church. That's what I love about our congregation, our people, we look for opportunities on the 14th. That's what we're going to do. We want to talk about it. We want to we continue to grow and look for opportunities to serve our community, to serve others, to serve you in this church. That's what I love about what we do here at Connect Church, opportunities to invest in people's lives and reach out to others. But the other thing is we got to remember is that we got to be careful not to just look at just the outside of these walls. We gotta look at the people who are also inside the walls of this church to invest in you and give you the opportunities. And we do a great job with that and we want you to remember that there are so many opportunities, whether it is to serve, to teach, to be a part, to be in Sunday school classes, adult Sunday school classes. I hear this all the time. I just don't know that I'm feeling all that connected. I just don't know if... if if. I, I, I just don't know. I, I seem like there's just not something. You know how you, how you get out of that? You know how you know? It's when you get involved in Bible studies. It's when you get involved in Sunday schools. It's when you get involved in life groups. It's when you give yourself the opportunity to meet new people. To people you say, well, I don't know them because they go to first service. Well, I don't know them because they may come to second service and I just don't see them on the other side of the aisle. That's where you get to know and build relationships together. And you know what? When we do that, you know what that also helps us to do? It helps us to reach those outside of our walls. It does. It does. We must look for opportunities to invest in people's lives and reach out to others. Number two, we must lead by example. We need to walk the walk and talk the talk. And I said this in the first service, and I'm going to say it again. I hope... I hope you'll understand it. I hope you don't think it's too harsh. But listen, folks, we have come to a point to where we have allowed the secular world to say that sin, uh, yeah, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. And you know, the, the Bible, it's no big deal. That's not right. God's Word said sin is sin. Sin is Sin. There's, there's no black and white on it. There's no, no ifs or ands or buts. Sin is sin. And what we've done is we've allowed the world, the secular world, to come in and say, you know what? It's no big deal. Just don't worry about it. Just don't even talk about it anymore. And we as Christians have gotten to the point where we've said, you know what? They're right. We've kind of clammed up. We've decided it's not that big a deal anymore. We decided, ah, oh, we hear the word, we hear it spoken on Sunday mornings, we'll come to church on Wednesdays, we'll do our thing, when we're out in the work week, if it comes up, I'll talk about it. Right here, we have to understand, as Christians and as Christian leaders, and as men and women of God who are trying to build disciples, create disciples, and witness to this world, we need to walk the walk and talk the talk. Ooh, boy, did that get quiet. So, what are you saying? I'm saying we got to quit being silent and quit letting people say that we need not to say anything. This, God's Word, is what we need to be shouting to the world. What it means, His truths and guidelines. Commandments, all of it. You say it won't make me popular, Pastor Joel. It's not supposed to. It's his truth. We need to lead by example. If you want to be a good leader, you have to jump in and be willing to work so that others can follow your example. You just can't be a boss giving orders, dictating what is going to take place. Leading by example is how to gain respect. For those of you who are businessmen, businesswomen, who are in leadership positions, and who lead, all of you, I know most of you, if not all of you in this room, understands what it means, leading by example is how to gain respect. You lead by example. All of us have to lead by example, even in our Christian lives. Number three, we must be leadable ourselves. You say, wait a minute, that's not really a word. Leadable, leadable. We cannot be set in our own ways or unwilling to change or to grow. Whether it is pride or selfishness or stubbornness, we must be teachable, moldable, and growing in our faith if we are to hope to be the kind of person that someone else would follow. That's the other great thing about our church and our people. What I love about our people is that we're always willing to take another step, to make another change, to look at how we can change something or do something to lead people to Christ. Now listen, don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong here, The message never changes. Do you hear me? The message never changes. God's Word never changes. But you know what? We can change how we do some things, though. We can. But the message never changes. And that's what I love about the 17 years of you allowed me to be here, is that we have made changes, we've made strides, and we've seen people come, we've seen people grow, and we've seen people bring families and friends, and we see visitors almost every week, and we saw visitors this past week at VBS, and I love to watch our people, how they go to them, and how they talk to them, and how they speak to them in love, and they want them to know that it doesn't matter what you look like on the inside, it doesn't matter what you went through, it doesn't matter what you're going through right now, Come, let us show Christ. We must be leadable ourselves. Number four, we must have knowledge. We must have knowledge to be a good leader. Remember, in order to lead, you have to be ahead of your people in the Bible studying prayer. When you're a teacher, when you're a small group leader, whatever, if it's a Bible study outside of this church, we have several Bible studies, women's Bible studies at homes. And whatever it is, make sure that you are studying and showing yourself approved by what you are learning and trust what God has given you. You must be searching out truths in His Word if you want to be equipped to help others in their walk with Christ. We must make the time to spend with God in prayer and His Word. My wife Connie has always talked about her dad. Her dad has is, is always and was a very important part of my life. And coming up when, when I first started in ministry He helped me a lot to understand things and to look at things and how to deal with things. And and I appreciate him. And she would always say, every morning when she got up and got ready to go to school, her dad was already up hours, probably an hour, two hours before she was, and already in his chair and had his Bible out. And he was studying and he was praying. Number five, we must have the heart to lead. We must have the heart to lead. If your heart is not in it, you will not be effective. So make sure you're serving where God is calling you to lead. Make sure you're serving in love and in surrender and obedience to Christ. Number six, lastly, we must be willing to lead. Accept the challenge of the call in your life. We can come up with all kinds of excuses, but the fact is you are called to help others come to glorify God. Now I'm gonna get a little bit more, more serious with you again just for a minute. For a church our size, we need, we need people. We need you. We need you to help. We need you to volunteer. And you hear us say that all the time. But listen, we also need good Bible teachers. We need teachers for Sunday school classes in our elementary kids. We need teachers in our adult Sunday school classes. We need need life group leaders. Like I said earlier, we're going to start some other projects here over the next maybe four to six months, and we're going to need leaders for that. And some of you are qualified for that, and you know that. Some of you are sitting on the sidelines because you just don't... For whatever the reason, you've decided this is not what you want to do right now, or you just feel like you can't do it right now. But I want you to understand that in this church, we need good people, and you are the people we need. And these kids, and you say, wait a minute, you're the family's pastor and children's pastor, and you've been here all this time, and now you're going to get on that soapbox. Yeah, I am for a minute. Our kids deserve you guys in teacher's roles. I need you to quit sitting back. I need you to be there. I need you to be a part of it. We do. We have great people in this church, and we love you. We need you. God needs you. We need you back in there. We need you running. We need you in the race. And I ask you today to follow God's leadership and listen to his call on your life and what he would have you to do. So this morning, can you honestly say that you are living a life, your life, in such a way that you are leading others to come to Christ, to serve him, to love him? to bring honor and glory with their lives. So this morning we answered the question, what are the qualifications of a spiritual leader? But I also ask you this morning, what are you doing? Where is God leading you? How are you leading this morning? In all phases of our lives, we're not just talking about church. We're talking about how are we leading our homes? How are we leading our families, our children, our wives? How are we leading at work? I'm asking you this morning, how are you leading? Pray with me this morning. Lord, I thank you for this church. And I thank you for your people. God, I just pray that you'd help us to understand the importance of our roles in furthering your kingdom and helping others find and follow Jesus. But I don't know what many may be going through here this morning. Lord, there may be some here this morning that struggles on their job. They may be struggling with co workers. They may be struggling with just their job. Lord, I don't know. Lord, there may be some here this morning that's struggling even in their marriages. Lord, they're struggling. And Lord, there may be some here this morning that's struggling in their own personal relationship with you. They've grown cold, they've become relaxed. And Lord, there may be someone here this morning that's, that just doesn't know you as their personal Savior. Lord, maybe you've been knocking at their heart's door for many weeks or months. Lord, I pray that they feel your presence this morning. And Lord, that they come to you. and Receive you as their personal Savior. So Lord, whatever may be going on in any of our lives this morning I ask that you would just give them the peace I ask that you would give them the courage Lord if they need to step out and pray Lord I know that you will meet them right where they are Lord you meet us right where we are So, Lord, I ask if they will, they would let you meet them where they are today. For we ask these things in your Son's name. Amen. If you need help finding or taking your next step, send us a message at hello at myconnectchurch.cc.